everyone. Welcome to Superstar Wednesday on Authors on the Air. I'm your host, Pam Stack. We're proud to be part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Usually about this time, I try to give you the names of a few books that have released this week. Um, There are many, but there are two in particular that I want to mention to you. That is one from my uh, friend, Chris Orcutt, who wrote A Study in Crimson. It is a continuation of his series. And also, for those of you who love Janet Ivanovich, Look Alive 25 is out. Um, Mary Higgins Clark and my friend Alifair Burke have their new book, You Don't Own Me, also out. And Leanne Moriarty has Nine Perfect Strangers. Today, indeed, is Superstar Wednesday. I have two New York Times bestselling authors who are here to talk to each other so you don't have to listen to me. They are in conversation. My host today is Tosca Lee. Let me tell you a little bit about Tosca. First of all, she's gorgeous. She writes magnificent books. Um, her, her, her series are um, about... I'm going to have to have her explain a little bit better, but she's the author of Iscariot, The Legend of Sheba, Demon, A Memoir, um, The Story of Eve. So many books that I don't even have enough time to go through all of them. Her new book is called The Line Between. It is uh, getting rave reviews in all the places where you look uh, for pre-reviews. So I'm happy to introduce my host for today, Tosca Lee. Tosca, welcome back to Authors on the Air. Thank you, Pam. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure to be back. And Thank you. It's a, the microphone yes. is yours, okay? Oh, well, thank you so much. Well, I had so much fun when I was here a couple months ago with my friend, Stina Holmes. And so it's, it's my pleasure now to invite a friend to chat with us on the air today. And that friend today is Nicole Bart. And I want to tell you a little bit about Nicole. Um, I could go on and on. One thing I know about Nicole is she was born to be a wife and a mother and an author. Um, she excels at all of those things. And she, she exudes, talk about beautiful. She, she's physically beautiful, but she exudes beauty just in her actions and in her person Um, And I think that comes from her love. And that's one thing I know about Nicole is she has a lot of love to give, not just to her family, but to her community and also to her readers. Nicole is smart. Um, She is globally conscious. Um, She has, I think it's nine books now and five children. Um, This woman writes so beautifully that, um, she could make you weep over a grocery list if she wanted to, you know, pork chops. No, um, but she is a beautiful, gorgeous writer. Um, my adventures with Nicole have, um, well, I, I never get quite enough time with Nicole. We do live in neighboring states. I'm in Nebraska. She's in Iowa. We've had many adventures, many meals together. We both love to eat. She's also a fabulous cook. We've road tripped. We've gone on writing retreats. And one time we even, I don't know if you remember this, Nicole, we were in a cabin and we trapped what we thought might have been like a wayward gerbil or hamster or something (laughs) under a colander. And it turned out to be like a rat, but we were like, this is somebody's hamster or something. No, it was a rat. (laughs) But (laughs) it's true. We've had adventures. So, Nicole, welcome. 
Oh, thank you. You are way too kind. I'm blushing over here, but Tosca, all the sweet things you said about me, I feel the same way about you. They are all (laughs) I'm so glad to know you. I'm so glad to know you. And, you know, there are a few writers that, like, I read their stuff, and I'm like, I'm totally envious. Um, And and you are one of them because your prose is so gorgeous. Um, So I want to talk about you, but I want want you to tell a little bit um, to those listening about your background because you hail originally from British Columbia, correct? Well, I'm actually a Midwest girl. I was born and raised in a small town in the northwest corner of Iowa. Uh, But my husband, I met and married and fell in love with a Canadian man and spent six years in British Columbia, the northwest corner of Canada, and, yeah, have my Canadian citizenship. So I guess I'm a dual citizen. And, yeah. Wonderful. Well, tell me a little bit about growing up and just kind of your background in general. Tell me a little bit just about you. Absolutely. Yeah, so I grew up in a really small town, um, very idyllic, very Americana, I guess you could say. I had free roam of pretty much the entire town and a large extended family of cousins and aunts and uncles and grandparents. And, yeah, I didn't realize that people considered the Midwest the flyover states until I was older. Mm-hmm. And then I was incredibly offended <laughs> that people <laughs> thought that, yeah, beautiful, intelligent, um, capable human beings didn't exist in the middle of the country too so all of my books have a bit of a midwestern slant to them and they're usually set here because i think that gorgeous things grow on the prairie and i like to write about that in my books and you love the outdoors too i know so i I want to know and you know these i'm going to ask you some questions that i know you've answered a lot before um but it's it's weird because I, I always think, oh, no, I don't want to keep asking the same questions everybody asks. But <laughs> when, I, when I want to learn more about an author, I find that I go back to these same basic questions. So I'm going to ask you a couple yeah. of those. And one of those is totally how fine. did you get into writing? How did this all this begin? Yeah, so I have wanted to be a writer since I was a little girl, and I really attribute that to the fact that um, I had a lot of surgeries when I was really young. I was born Mm -hmm. with a birth defect and spent a lot of time in the hospital, and my parents would read to me. Uh, Back then, hospitals weren't the welcoming places that they are today, and it was Mm -hmm. incredibly scary to be taken away um, from my family. So my dad would hold me in his lap and read to me, and I found that it was the only way that I could just really escape and put my put my whole mind and, and heart into an entirely different place. And it gave me the calm and the peace that I needed to endure what I had to go through. So I don't know what age I was that I realized I could probably be writing these stories too, but I discovered that my own imagination was just as fun as anything that I could find on paper. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I wanted to write since I was a little girl and assumed that that would probably never happen because, boy, who gets to do this thing that they love? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So pursued a degree in um, secondary education, English, Spanish, and ESL, English as a Second Language, and taught for seven years uh, before the door to publication became open for me, kind of, kind of miraculously. And yeah, really the tell rest of history. Tell a little bit about that story. Yeah, tell, yeah, tell me so, a little bit. Sure. Uh, my husband is a pastor, and he he had to go to a different state to complete his training and we had a small son at the time so I couldn't go with him and I was home alone for 14 weeks parenting this child by myself and really through that time um, wrote that was kind of how I worked through that time too (laughs) and maybe you're Mm. sensing a theme I deal with my with my stuff through through writing 
Mm-hmm. But um, during that time, he met somebody who was friends with the senior acquisitions director at uh, at a major publishing house, and they said, you know, we're going to see her, and if your wife would like to give us 50 pages, we will give it to our friend um, who is an editor. What, just out of the blue so like I, that? Wow. <laughs> just out of the blue, yeah, yeah. My agent tells wow. me that I have a Cinderella story, and I should never share it, it with people. Story. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. But, yeah, so I sent those pages and found out later that that was really a publishing faux pas. You should really never do that. And the Ooh. editor was, um, from what I understand, a little bit um, miffed, I guess, that her friend had thrust these pages upon her. But oh. a couple of months later was going through her slush pile and read the pages that I had written and called me out of the blue and said, I love what you've done. Can I have the rest of the book? So, yeah, wow. that's the story. And that became which book, Nicole? Uh, my debut novel, which was called After the Leaves Fall. Wow. And so that was the first one. And w- so I want to know, um, where where do you get your ideas for your books? Like, where, where are they well, coming from? The first one really came out of the middle of nowhere. I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> I didn't know how to write a novel. Uh, so I was just I don't know, fumbling along. And after the first one came out, uh, it received really good reviews and people seemed to be pretty excited about it. But the one critique that I received is, you know, there really wasn't much of a plot. <laughs> so <laughs> then I, I, yeah, that's great. But I, I kind of self-taught, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It attended a bunch of, of writing retreats and read books and talked to friends and yeah, trying to figure out how to layer in more of a plot and layer in more characters. And I don't know, di- digging deep, I guess, into storytelling and how it comes about just really sparked an interest in me. And I have more ideas than I think I would ever have time to write. I feel like every time I start a new book, I have three or four other ideas that are spinning off into the ether. And I have to kind of pick and choose what I'm interested in writing in, writing about. Are there... Um... Are there certain themes or kinds of relationships or things like that that seem to consistently draw your interest as far as being a a story that you'd want to kind of sink into, you know, and commit the time that it takes to write a novel, do you find? Yeah, absolutely. You know, character is so important to me. I love people, and I love mining the depths of people and trying to figure out who they are and what motivates them, why they do the things they do. So if I have a good character that I'm invested in, I can I can write pretty much anything. But as far mm. as themes go, um, I, I didn't really even realize I was doing this until I was doing another interview several years ago, and somebody said, you know, it, it seems like your your art mimics your life to a certain extent. And I went, oh, mm. you're right. It kind of does. So I some of the themes that I tend to explore are, are motherhood and betrayal and loss and uh, finding beauty in in the midst of really messy lives, and it just I I seem to keep coming back to those things. Yeah, yeah. Tell me about um, you have this beautiful family. So will you share a little bit about your family and your children? Thank you. Yeah, I think I have a pretty beautiful family too. Yeah, you do. Um, so we have five kids, and they are born out of the five kids. They're born in four different countries: um, Canada, the United States, Liberia, and Ethiopia. So we're a really multicultural family um, and multiracial family. We didn't really intend to build our family this way, but it's it's what happened, and we could not be. Uh, 
um, we're excited about who we are. So, yeah, it, it has a really been beautiful an adventure. family. <laughs> And, you know, I I love that the pictures you put on Instagram, too. So if you guys are listening and you want to follow Nicole, she's on Instagram as Nicole Bart, right? Nicole Bart. Yep. B-A-A-R-T. Yep. Yes, ma'am. So (laughs) I have to ask you this because, you know, two years ago, almost three now, I married a single father of four. And so right now I only have three kids at home. But I, I have thought of you so many times after getting married, because I remember thinking, I need to know what vitamins Nicole's taking, how she does this. Like, <laughs> as a mom, how do you find the time to write? Would you have a routine? Like, I, I need to know. Yes, absolutely. You know what? It took me a really long time to figure it out, and it changes every year because my kids, their activities and the amount of attention that they require from me changes every year. But Right now, um, my kids are all older. My youngest is eight, and my oldest is almost 16. Um, So they all go to school. And I thought that once they went to school, I'd have all this time on my hands, but that's just not true (laughs) because there's projects and doctor's appointments and orthodontist appointments and you name it. It it never ends. But I try to be really fierce about carving out at least three hours every day um, that I can sit Mm -hmm. down and write, and I just I let everything else fall to the wayside and and try to get it done. Um, One of the things that I do is as I'm working on a scene, I will spend all of my, all the extra time in my day driving and doing the dishes and folding laundry or whatever I'm doing and just play that scene over and over and over in my head until I can see it playing like a movie um, down Mm. to the clothes my characters are wearing and the gestures that they make and the way their facial expressions play out on the page. So then when I sit down, all I have to do is write what I see. (laughs) Oh, I love that. It's kind of crazy, but it works. I love that. (laughs) And are you working at home, or do you go away to a coffee shop, or do you have a special place? Do you have an office in the the house? I haven't seen your new house, so tell me. Oh, yeah. Where does the magic happen? The magic. (laughs) We had a screened-in porch on the back of our house that we just turned into, I don't really even know what you would call it. We closed it all in, and it is nothing but windows and a fireplace and some big comfy couches and I shut the door and that's where I write. Um, I find that if I go to a coffee shop or something, people, I live in a small town. So, you know, Mm. God bless them. I I love my town, but people want to talk. So even when I have earbuds in, they'll stop me and try to chat. And I just, I can't when I'm writing. So I I like to be alone. Do you listen to music? Not all the time. (laughs) I do. You do? Yeah. Yeah. I make a playlist for each book. You do. I do. Do you do that too? I can't. I because I I think it comes from having been a dancer because I'll start choreographing to the music. So I have to have silence. So, um, but I have I have friends that that do playlists and I love it because it's like having a soundtrack and I I have playlist envy. So yeah. <laughs> I want. I I have um, to make a playlist. <laughs> you have to. So do you post your playlist so that readers can hear what you were listening to while you were writing the book? I have done that before. I put it on my blog or whatever. I don't know if anybody actually goes and listens to it, but <laughs> I I find, I don't know, if I've just taken my kid to an orthodontist appointment and then driven them back to school or whatever, I can't just drop right into a really intense scene where, you know, something sad is happening. I, I need to get myself in the mood, and music is the best way to do that for me. Yeah. 
Yeah, I actually will listen to music before something, but then I'll I'll turn it off. But I I agree with you. I think it's a great way to to pull up a mood and just kind of sink in. Yeah. So I I want to talk a little bit about you were always mine. You that's your yeah. your new book that came out on October was it seventh? It was 16. early October. Sixteenth. Yeah, just a month. October sixteenth. Yep. So tell us about you were always mine. Yeah, You're Always Mine is a domestic thriller. Uh, It's the story of Jessica Chamberlain. She's a newly single mother of two uh, whose world is upended when her phone number is discovered scrawled on a piece of paper in the pocket of a dead man. And that's Mm -hmm. the inciting incident of the book. And the rest of it is Jessica trying to keep her life together and keep her family together in the midst of something that she doesn't understand and that is spinning out of her control. So. It was a blast so, to write. I had so much what, fun. <laughs> I have to say, here's what Mary Kubica says. She says, tense, emotionally charged, and at times frightening. You Were Always Mine opened my eyes to the dark side of adoption with characters that are true to life and a tremendous depth of knowledge into a shocking subject matter. This is Bart's best book yet. Ah. Good That's stuff. So great. <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah. And okay, so that is your brand new one. And we we talked just a little bit about your book right before that, also because I, I just want people to hear a little bit about your most recent um, work. So will you talk a little bit about Little Broken Things as well? Absolutely. Little Broken Things came out in uh, November twenty first of last year, I guess. And that was such an incredibly fun book because not only did I have a wonderful time writing it and was I excited, I was super excited about it, but um, the day after it released, it was in People magazine and that just mm-hmm. kind of changed everything for that book. I know it was so much fun, uh, but it was, it was really neat to see um, what a boost like that could do in terms of um, opening up the readership and, and really, yeah, introducing new readers, people who probably hadn't read my stuff before and, it, it was really fun. So I, I think both of these books, Little Broken Things and You Were Always Mine, are are thrillers, but not in the sense um, that they're gory or, or super intense. I, I just I can't do that. And I've had a lot of people reach out to me and say, I love an intense read. I love the suspense, but I don't want to read a graphic rape scene or, you know, have horrible things happen on the page that give me nightmares at night. So I've it's kind yeah. of different. I'm not sure that I've seen many books like that, but I'm I'm excited that people seem to be reading it. That makes me really happy. Well, and I think you you touched on something really important early on when you were talking about why we read because we read because we want to escape for a while. Um, you know, may, I know a lot of people read because they are ill or because they're going through some difficult times in their in their lives, or they read you know just for entertainment. Um, for pleasure, but there are a lot of people who don't want to um, live vicariously in situations that feel um, grisly or or uncomfortable in that way. So I think that makes a lot of sense. And I want to share um, Kimberly Stewart said about Little Broken Things um, that it made her abandon her life and responsibilities for days. She called it stunning and beautifully wrought and tenaciously hopeful. So um, beautiful writing, but as I said, Nicole can make a grocery list sound beautiful too. So, um, <laughs> Nicole, I want you to, will you tell us a little bit about When Body, One Hope? 
Absolutely. Um, so my husband and I started a nonprofit organization about 11 years ago now, totally by accident. <laughs> we, we didn't intend to, um, but we developed a deep friendship and, and a relationship with a, a gentleman in Liberia who has become our brother and, and our best friend. And actually we mm-hmm. share two kids with him now. Two of my children um, grew up in the children's home that he supports and and wow. ended up coming to the United States and becoming a part of our family because of medical needs that they had uh, that couldn't be met in Liberia. But, yeah, we've been working there for 11 years now. Um, there's three children's homes that we support and a series of schools and churches. Uh, we have a, a farm. Sorry, I couldn't think of the word. A commercial farm. That's what I was going for. Mm-hmm. Uh, that started a couple of years ago, and we were hoping that the commercial farm in the next five years will be um, self-sustaining and will provide for those ministries so that we can just be friends again and, and back our way out. Our our goal and our hope is always redevelopment and empowering the, the mm-hmm. people that, that we love in Liberia. And if people want to learn more or help support One Body, One Hope, is there somewhere they can go for that? Absolutely. It's onebodyonehope.org, and there's all the information there. You can be a child sponsor, a teacher sponsor. Um, right now we're in the process of a capital campaign for our second children's home. It's called Christ Your Hope North, and it was founded after the Ebola outbreak in Liberia mm. for the kids that were um, abandoned in, in the wake of that or left alone. So, yeah. Wow. Wow. Well, thank you for that. Um, I want to ask you, um, for those people who are interested in writing, and I know this is kind of a wide-ranging question, but you talked earlier about writing faux pas at the beginning, you know, of the career. I've done a lot of faux pas too. I look back now <laughs> yeah. and I cringe. It's, oh, I'm me like, too. oh no. Um, so, what advice would you give somebody who's thinking, you know, I love reading. I love escaping into a good novel. I'd like to see if I can do that too. So. What what do you tell people who are interested in writing or people who may have started and um, are just kind of starting out and taking that first step? Yeah, so I think there are so many opportunities out there to learn, to get involved, to find inroads. Um, when I started writing, yeah, it's 12 years ago now, it was a really different world. Um, in fact, mm-hmm. my publishing house, I asked them, do I need to have a website? And they said, oh, no, that's that's not necessary. <laughs> well, now, wow. obviously, but, you know, the whole world is online, and I think everybody knows that you need to have an online presence and um, be involved in social media and stuff. But as hard as that is sometimes, I also think it's really helpful for new people starting out because if you go on Twitter or especially Twitter, I think, but also Instagram, Facebook, some of the, these other social media sites, you can follow and friend the editors that you admire, the Mm -hmm. publishing houses that you would love to see your book published in, the other authors who who you are trying to emulate. And I think there are so many opportunities to make connections with those people and to learn from them, to read the articles that they put up and take the advice to heart that they have to share. So I, I think one of the best places to start is write the book that you love, figure out who the author is, who the publishing house is, who edited that book, uh, go find those people online and and start to learn from them. And That's great advice. I actually things you can do. <laughs> yeah, I never thought of that. <laughs> Let me ask you this. I mean, we're both on social media, yeah. and you know, social media. You've got your website to keep up, and Instagram, and Facebook, and Twitter, and Pinterest, and 
So social media, love it or hate it, or, you know, how much time do you put into this stuff? Because, you know, the other day I spent like most of the day just trying to schedule out stuff for the next few weeks. And I thought, where did my day go? You know, I know, which, and I I love doing it and I love having the stuff out there, but it is time consuming. It is very time consuming. Um, I, I decided a long time ago that I, I want to live my life in real life, not, not mm-hmm. online. And I, I decided that I really wanted to cultivate um, a tribe, a community of friends, of, of like-minded people who enjoyed the same things and wanted to be online for the same reasons. So when I'm on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, I, I try not to – I don't have rules for myself. I don't make myself post every day. I don't follow mm-hmm. a – three post a day rule I post when it moves me to post and sometimes that goes really well and people really respond to it and other times it doesn't and I've just decided that I have to I have to let that go I I can't curate this I don't know highly thought out detailed persona online and and write good books Mm -hmm. at the same time so yeah if you do interact with me on social media it's pretty authentically me but it's Oh, not so carefully curated, That's I guess. one thing that I love about you is, you know, what you see is what you get, and um, you've always just been the same, the same warm and honest person always. So, and I think that hey. that, I think that comes out in your writing as well. Um, so I want to step getting... in. This is Pam, yes. and I want to say yes. how much I'm enjoying listening to you talk. Not only. Is your friendship so uh, um, obvious? But um, a lot of insight into into the writer's mind and creativity. And um, uh, the thing that's fascinating to me is when you both were talking about the faux pas. And I, mm-hmm. I just always assume that writers of your caliber don't do that anymore. I mean, it just oh, it just. No. It just flows. We oh, try we not to anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, I uh, before we run out of time, I, I think it's really important, first of all, to thank Tosca Lee, our host today, and Nicole Bart, our guest today. But Tosca, will you please tell everyone where to find you on the webs? Oh, I'm on um, all social media. is just Tosca Lee, T-O-S-C-A-L-E-E. And my website is the same. It's toscalee.com. And where, um, what social media can we find you in? Uh, me? Oh, um, Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, Snapchat, Instagram, <laughs> most of the usual culprits. Yep. Okay. And um, we just happen to have a call. Let me see who's calling. Hold on. You're on the air live. Who's this? Hello? Okay, I guess it was somebody who didn't really want to be on the air. (laughs) Nicole, where can we find you on the webs, please? I'm the same. It's just my name, uh, Nicole Bart, N-I-C-O-L-E-B-A-A-R-T. And that's website, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest. I'm just like Tosca. You can find me lots of different places. Well, I want to also say that while you were talking about your family, I went and looked at a photo of your family. It is absolutely breathtakingly beautiful. And um, (laughs) uh, uh, it makes me want to cry. That picture is so gorgeous. Uh, You're all holding hands. It looks like you're 
maybe walking across a field or something. Um, it's just beautiful. So I encourage everyone to go and check out Tosca Lee and Nicole Bart. Uh, more importantly, I, I think that it's really important that you know their books are magnificent. And it has been an honor for me to sit here and listen to two best-selling authors talk about their work. Thank you so much for being with me today. Tosca, you're an excellent host. Nicole, you're next. You're next, darling. (laughs) You're going to pick out who you want to talk to next, and we'll talk to you in a couple months. In the meantime, I want to wish you both uh, and your families a wonderful holiday season, and we're going to be talking soon again, aren't we? Sounds fantastic. Thank Thank you so much for having me. This was just a blast. Thank Thank you you so much. And Tosca, you're magnificent as always. Um, Thank you, ladies. And thank you for listening, everyone. And thank you, Mom and Dad. Bye-bye.